BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey, friend. I'm Nicole Walters, mom of three, your internet bestie and founder of Inherit Learning Company. If you're looking for the motivation you need to pursue a life of purpose, then join me each week on the Nicole Walters podcast as I share my hard-learned lessons and answer your DMs about life, business, and everything in between. We'll laugh, we'll cry, and we'll grant ourselves grace as we do life together. Check out the Nicole Walters podcast every Tuesday here on Dear Media. You can listen anywhere you listen to podcasts. Welcome to Real Pod. It's your host, Victoria Garrick, and this is the podcast where we hold nothing back. Oh, so we're getting deep, huh? I really cried for 12 days straight. Why do I want to be perfect? There's nothing in my life that is perfect. Every week, I'll bring you honest, unfiltered, and eye-opening conversations to help uncover the real in all of us. I crave the type of content that you're talking about. I actually felt insecure. Oh my God, am I going to cry? Let me just unload everything. (laughs) (laughs) New episodes every Wednesday. Leave those filters at the door because it's time to get real. Now, I'm going to be honest, I am not one to buy a book. (laughs) It's not that I don't want to learn. Obviously, I love to learn, but books, I need to get more into reading. I want to get more into reading. But if I buy a book, I am genuinely like, okay, I either really am super interested in this, I think it's going to help me in my life, or I'm like, like there's something greater pulling me towards a book. And Dr. David Lieberman, who was our guest today, has written a book. Well, he's wrote many, many books, but his most recent book called Mind Reader, The New Science of Deciphering What People Really Think, What They Really Want, and Who They Really Are is phenomenal. The first I ever heard of him, I was blown away by his knowledge and how much he knew about just the human person and psychology and our emotions and our wants. And I wanted to learn some of that. I wanted to know how do I better understand other people as well as myself and all of our motives. Dr. Lieberman actually has worked with the FBI and top government organizations training them on how to interrogate and get information out of, you know, for lack of a better term, the bad guy. He knows how to read people and how to find out what is really going on. And just for example, like something that 
blows me away from just reading his book is the difference of when someone says, you know, like the example was if you're on a first date and the person says, oh, where'd you park the car versus where'd we park the car? Just that use of the word we insinuates togetherness. It insinuates visualizing actions together as opposed to where'd you park the car is separate. And there's a you and then there's a me, but there's not a we. So just the little things like that. And it honestly, I thought it would make me a better interviewer anyways to read his book, but also just to better understand, you know, the people I interact with as well as myself. Today's shout out goes to Lindy Jean. What's up, Lindy? Left a five-star review saying, always listening on my hot girl walks. The variety of conversations Vic offers gives me the tools to flourish in every aspect of my life. She perfectly weaves together entertainment and advice, so I take away something valuable from each episode. This real and relatable content makes me look forward to my real pod walks every Wednesday. Oh, Lindy, that makes me so happy. The fact that you say real pod walks, because I know what it's like to go on a walk and be super excited to listen to a podcast that I saved. And the fact that you do that for me and real pod, it literally still blows my mind. Thank you so, so much. I want to meet you. I want to meet all of you. Come to my live show in Hollywood, California, October 17th, Monday night, It's going to be a Monday, but we're turning up 7 p.m. It's going to be so fun. I'm having a live show. It is real pod that you know and love live in person. I'm going to have two very special guests. We will finally get to meet, jump up and down, scream, cry, hug. It is going to be amazing. So make sure you buy tickets to the live show. The tickets will be in the description of this episode for October 17th, the real pod live show. Thank you again to Lindy for her amazing review. If you want to leave me a review, you might be the special shout out on next week's episode. And also don't forget to rate the podcast where you listen. It really helps the show out. Without further ado, let's learn how to mind read with Dr. Lieberman. So this is obviously not a detective show, but I was so fascinated with you and your work. And I just feel like it's so beneficial for people to have a better understanding of the intention of others, you know, what someone really wants, have like heightened awareness and just be able to connect with people better. And wouldn't you say that your work, while it is used in some of the most important facilities and infrastructures in our country, can also be like zoomed out to be that simple for everyday relationships? Yeah, I like to think so. You know, a lot of the applications certainly come into play in the real world, whether it's in personal or professional lives. And, you know, one of the reasons why we like these shows so much is because they reveal so much about human nature and we're able to sort of almost apply them to our own lives. So before anyone reads your book or listens to a podcast you're on, et cetera, like how would you rate or describe a general person's ability to properly understand someone else? That's a great question. So I think like a lot of things that runs on a spectrum, you've got some people who are very savvy, very good at reading others and others who are not. You know, they think either everyone is wonderful or everyone's not wonderful or everyone's lying or everyone's being honest, whatever it is. But what is interesting is I think most people overestimate their ability to read other people. 
And even those of us that are good at it, you know, being able to put techniques to it and qualify it and crystallize what it is we're looking at. So, you know, when we've got those niggling questions about, am I being paranoid or, you know, am I being overly suspicious or am I just scared and so on? We're able to more definitively put this person into a category of either honest or not honest, interested or not interested and so on. What's the difference though, between reading people and judging them? Because if someone asked me, what do I think of you right now? And I had to make an assessment based on the very few minutes we've been able to be talking to each other. I would feel like that's a judgment. You know what I'm saying? I feel like the line's really thin. Yeah, sure. And I think that's a good point. And so far as, you know, being able to read somebody, you're right. Inherent is inherent is that is the ability to observe. See, the reason why we don't just observe, in other words, we don't just observe other people or our environment is because the ego feels more comfortable. It gives us the illusion of control when we can put people in the categories and label them or worse, sometimes condemn and judge because we're able to forge an unknown into a known and quantify something. And that's really what the ego likes to do. But the ability to be able to effectively read somebody requires us to observe. Because if I'm not really observing you, I'm already looking through a filtered lens of preconceived notions and judgments and categories, I'm never going to be able to apply the techniques. So, you know, the first step really is the ability to observe without judgment. And then when necessary, to begin to put the pieces into place to see if this is something that you want to pay greater attention to. I'm glad you brought up ego because I wanted to spend some time there because as obvious as it might seem, right? Once you start learning about ego or talking about ego and growing up, when I heard the word ego, I just thought that was someone who was like, you know, I'm the coolest and I'm the best at sports. And, you know, like, that's what I thought it was. I didn't realize the ego was so much more than that. And and I started learning about it for the first time in Eckhart Tolle's book, A New Earth. And I think what really stood out to me was, you know, the ego is like anytime you're feeling superior or even inferior, right? It's like that part of you that is, like you said, trying to quantify things, trying to label them, but also it's usually your first gut reaction or response. So for those who aren't familiar with like egocentricity, Could you kind of describe what that type of person is like and what sort of actions are maybe exemplary of of someone who's egocentric? Sure, sure. There's a lot to unpack there. So let's take a step back and look at the overall psychology. The degree to which a person likes themselves and feels worthy of good things in life, that's what it means to have self-esteem. Now, to the extent that I suffer, and we all do to some extent suffer with lower self-esteem, the ego engages to compensate for feelings of guilt, inferiority, and shame, and so on. The ego is a false self. Its job is to project an image of what I'm not, but how I want people to see me, at the same time, protect my own insecurities, which means then, by definition, the bigger the ego, the less self-esteem a person has. It's like a seesaw. When one goes up, the other goes down. So as my genuine feelings of self-worth decrease, my ego is going to engage. So when people say they need a healthy ego, a strong ego, they don't understand really the, the breadth of the psychology here. The, the ego is never good. The ego is a, it's a false self, and it does need to put on a show. Now, it's going to manifest differently. Some people will be that obnoxious type, that person full of bravado and very you know, larger than life in an unhealthy way. But egocentricity can also produce what we call a doormat mentality. That's when the person has low self-esteem 
and they sort of they live their lives as as a pity party, and they still have an egocentricity. Everything revolves around them, but in a very passive way. So the ego is always going to be a response to the degree to which a person doesn't have genuine self-esteem. As my self-esteem increases, my self-love increases, the need for the ego, the false self, decreases. So when when we talk about self-esteem. Couldn't someone think that by having lots of ego, they have really good self-esteem? Yes, and and many people do, and it's just psychologically inaccurate. Self-esteem and the ego are inversely related. You know, which and we know this in a couple of ways. First off, self-esteem produces humility, right? If I have genuine self sense of self-love, I'm not arrogant. It's the egocentric person who is arrogant and obnoxious and needs to tell the world how great they are because they'll never find that on their own, and they want to buttress and bolster their own insecurity. So yes, we think that we should be uh, that an egocentric person has a lot of self-esteem. They don't. Now, what they can have is confidence. And this is also where people conflate the two. Self-esteem is not confidence. Self-esteem, again, refers to the degree to which I love myself and feel worthy of good things in life. Confidence is how effective I am in a certain area or comfortable with a certain trait or characteristic. So, for example, I can consider myself to be a great tennis player and have low self-esteem, right? My ability to play play tennis is high. My confidence is high. But that doesn't mean I have self-esteem. Conversely, I can have high self-esteem and still consider myself to be a lousy tennis player, which I happen to be. So if I am living in that self in that tennis world and I have high confidence in my ability to play tennis and have low self-esteem, you will notice a very arrogant, obnoxious person full of bravado in that arena. But outside of the arena or in that arena, if I don't measure up against someone else, my feelings of self-worth, which are wrapped up in that one traitor characteristic, are very fragile. And if I get a bad call or I lose against in a, in a match, my emotional state will be very volatile. It's so interesting because when you bring up like a sports example, you know, I relate to that having been an athlete. And if we like lost a game, I almost feel like I had a responsibility to act pissed and to be upset because that shows to my teammates and my coach, oh, I care about being better. I care about winning. If I were to take my 10 deep breaths, meditate in the bathroom and then walk out and say, well, it's in the past. It's not in my control. Like, what can I learn and take with me for the future? I mean, yes, some people can respect that mindset. But if I'm skipping out of the locker room when we lose in the elite eight, you know what I'm saying? I do. I do. And and certainly your approach, I would say, is emotionally healthier and grounded in better success. But we do equate negative emotion, you know, and with the ego and it, you know, the angrier we are, the, you know, the more that, you know, we want it to manifest and to show other people and it shows our level of commitment. But really it's, it, it, the psychology doesn't back it up, but it gives people the impression that you cared more when the reality is that one has nothing to do with the other. Okay, quick break, because I have to tell you about the cutest pair of shoes I just got. I have been wanting that classic, like all white, chunky sneaker look that everyone's been wearing, but I haven't been able to find a pair that I loved that was on trend, but didn't look like I pulled them from my uncle's closet because some of them looked that way. Okay. I needed something that was the trend, but modern, not a lot of logos, and most importantly, comfortable. I needed it comfortable. So where did I turn? I turned to Vionic. 
Bionic not only has the cute and trendy shoes we are all looking for, but Bionic doesn't make you compromise on style for comfort. Bionic delivers on great feeling feet so you can live your best life through their Bionic Motion technology, which is a patent podiatrist developed footbed that's built into every pair. The pair that I got specifically that I highly recommend you get is the Walker Classic. It has over 850 amazing reviews. They are literally so cute. I got them in a 10 and a half in the all white, but they come in so many colors. Oh my gosh, they really do come in so many colors. I need to get more colors. And wearing Bionic is like an act of self-care. Seriously, it's a hug for my feet is how comfortable they are. And they're so cute. When I put them on, I was actually surprised at how comfortable they were. I had not had that experience with a shoe in a while. You can use code REALPOD at checkout for free shipping on your order at www.bionicshoes.com. Once again, that's code REALPOD in all caps at checkout for free shipping at www.bionicshoes.com and Bionic's 30-day risk-free trial means there's no reason not to buy. I want to talk about the power of honesty and authenticity and vulnerability because it sounds like that's sort of the antithesis of this egocentricity. And a lot of what I try to promote and encourage people to do is be vulnerable, be themselves. You know, I feel like I was living in a very egocentric place. My Instagram has to be perfect. I have to seem popular. I have to, you know, everything I I do has to be perfect and successful. And then I kind of, you know, as one could predict, hit this rock bottom and then kind of had this existential crisis and realized I need to be honest about where I am and that this version of me that I'm trying to present, trying to keep up, isn't the truth. And in that, you know, I guess, pulling back of the curtain, I found so much more happiness. I feel so much more at peace. And that's why I want others to feel that they can do that as well. So I feel like in mainstream media right now, there's this push for authenticity for like obvious reasons, right? It's just better to say not everyone's perfect. Not everyone always eats kale. Not everyone always goes to the gym. But would you say that there's even more psychological what would the term be like benefits for trying to be vulnerable in your life? Sure. Sure. Look, you know, we're wired for connection and in order to connect, I need to be vulnerable. And, but the person with lower self-esteem when their ego is engaged, they can't be vulnerable because they want to present this perfectly, as you said, varnished facade. So other people will see them in a certain way. And the bigger the chasm, the bigger the gap between who you authentically are and this image, the more draining it is. And that's when a person crashes was what you experience is that that gap became unsustainable because it takes a lot of energy to project this image of what you're not, but how you want to be seen. And the less authentic a person is, the more energy they're using. And certainly vulnerability requires a degree of self-love because if I love me, I can be vulnerable with somebody else and know that if they don't love me, that doesn't mean I'm not lovable. But if I don't love me, I can't be vulnerable with somebody else because I will feel that as a rejection and then feel less good about myself. So the ability to, to love ourselves allows for us to be able to be vulnerable, connect with other people, and to feel their love as a result. It's true. And it's interesting, though, because we live in this world where it's telling you to love yourself. It's saying, you know, you should love yourself, right? Kind of similar to how we're discussing. But then the second that someone's like, yeah, I, I love myself. I love the way I look. I love the friends I have. I love, I love, you know, the way I hold myself in conversation. I love the way I walk. Someone would say like, I, you know, is that ego, right? 
Right. Yeah, you're right. A and a, a, a lot of those things are, in other words, we can, you know, again, self-esteem or self-love means that I am worthy of love and connection, right? In other words, I am valuable where, you see, if I don't love me, I can't imagine why you would love me. At the same time, I desperately want it, which is why people with low self-esteem are very difficult to love because on one hand, they're pulling us close, on the other hand, they're pushing us away. But if we allow for externals to define our sense of self-worth, we're setting ourselves up for failure because that comparison will inevitably lead to us feeling less good about ourselves. Because if I value me because of my appearance, if I feel worthy because of my money, what happens when I show up with somebody who's got more money or I, I'm not as good looking as I was 10 years ago, or even I value you know, these externalities, it, again, it sets us up for failure. But when, when we have a value and appreciation for us, period, not because of anything, that's real love. And it's the same thing with other people. In other words, if you love somebody because dot, 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 then it's not really a love because what happens when that thing goes away? Much the same way that a person might love their children. It's not because the child is smart or pretty or talented. It's simply, they simply love that child for nothing else other than the fact that they love that child. Is that possible though? Like if I think of my best friend, it's like, I love my best friend, period. But that because we're not related, that love developed from the way this person shows up for me, the fun that we have together, the way that they're always there for me. Like, so is it a difference between ma loving someone for material things and loving them sort of for the essence of who they are? Of course. And that essence expresses itself in the relationship. And that's really what love is, is focusing in on the qualities of another person and identifying with them. In other words, the same person that you love, somebody else unfortunately can hate. Now it's the same person. The reason is because you're looking at the virtues and they're looking at what they don't like. So, you know, your relationship with this person and the connection and her behavior toward you has galvanized that love. But, you know, if you love your friend because she's pretty or she's smart or influential. Those are sort of ego-based criteria. And again, those are doomed to, to injure our ability to really have an effective relationship because it's not something that's solid or real. It's so true, Dr. Lieberman. And actually, a few months ago, I had a realization because there was this group of friends that I really wanted to be a part of, or I was just like, you know, I wish I would get invited to hang out or I I wish I could be at these places these people are at. And I kind of sat back and thought about it. And I was like, why? Because I think they're really cool or they have lots of followers or like, like literally why? Because every time I've hung out with a, one of these people, like we don't really connect, like we aren't really suited. And I have over here, these amazing friends Yet it was like the ego part of me was like, you need to get into this group. You need to be around these people, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I'll tell you, Victoria, is that anytime we twist and contort and move away from what we know is right and true, merely to win somebody else's praise or accolades or that still like us, we sell ourselves out, we sell ourselves short, and it eats away at our self-respect because we moved away from what was right and responsible so someone would like us. And that's going to chip away at our self-respect. When a person does what's right and responsible, irrespective of what it looks like to others, merely because it's right, that's how we infuse ourselves with self-esteem and self-love. So what if someone said, okay, I, I'm right there with you, but if I am myself tomorrow, I don't think anyone will like me. Ah, right. That is the very definition of 
poor self-esteem or low self-esteem is because I don't feel that if I'm authentic, I'm going to be worthy of connection. And that is the very reason why people are inauthentic is I'm going to put on a show. I'm going to show you my Instagram. I'm going to show you all my accomplishments, all my trophies, all my awards, all my certificates, because I think that will make me valuable that you're going to love me. Because if you knew the real me, you would never love me. Right. And I end up building an entire life. The trajectory of all of my choices are built and I become a shell merely because I want to win the praise and approval of other people because I don't think if they knew me, me, the real me, they would love me. And the more a person indulges in the ego, the more their real self withers away and the less healthy they become. And that's the definition of depression is that feeling that we're not connecting, we're not growing and we're not, I'm not connecting with you because it's just my ego that's out there. It's not the real me. And I'm certainly not growing because I'm so busy projecting this image of what I'm not. And I'm moving in directions that don't really fulfill me, but I think they're going to satisfy the requirement for you to love me. Yeah, no, it's true. And you said that that leads to depression. I feel like I hit my depression. It was a mix of things, but a big piece of that was I wasn't living true to who I really was and how I was really feeling. Speaking of mental health, you know, part three of your book is taking a psychological snapshot. And, you know, the first, well, chapter 10 is a peek into personality and mental health. It says, find out whether anyone you meet, a potential hire, blind date, or new babysitter has an easygoing and agreeable nature or is a force of nature just waiting to be unleashed. Now, I guess a question I had automatically before even diving into that chapter was, is it possible to be able to determine the state of someone's mental health if they don't actually disclose to you what's going on? Right. So one of the reasons why the book has gotten so much attention is because, yes, you can do it and much more quickly than most people suspect. And if you think about it, you know, a psychiatric intake works similarly. You're not going to get somebody who is suffering with psychosis or, you know, psychopathy who's going to be honest with you. So that is the very job of the clinician is or the diagnostician to be able to evaluate, even though the person is not honest with you, they're not revealing what they what you need for them to or want them to, and being able to glean simply from what they say, how they say it, their posture, their word choice, their expressions, whether or not they're emotionally healthy. And you know, the ability to do this, whether you're hiring a nanny, you know, a babysitter, hiring somebody at work, working for somebody, you meet somebody for a drink, you know, in five, 10 minutes to be able to know whether this is someone that might be dangerous to you or somebody who may not be dangerous, but just emotionally unwell and might not treat you is just so valuable. So yeah, you, you certainly can. And again, much more quickly than most people ever thought possible. Okay. So I know Dr. Lieberman, I already asked this. I'm going to ask it again because I'm just like really trying to process. Is that possible that in like 10 minutes that I could make the correct call? Because if I think about, you know, a, a relationship I used to have, you know, you mentioned someone working for you, whatnot. It's like in the beginning, I'm thinking that, I don't know. I'm like, did I miss the signs? Because this person, you know, became something, they became a part of themselves that like I, it took me months to realize. Right. But let me ask you this. If you, now that you know the signs, or if you knew the signs afterwards, when you replay it back in your mind, would you have seen them if you were paying attention to them or they just, you don't feel that they were there to begin with? (laughs) Yeah, it's so obvious. 
Right. Okay. So that's just it. And you know, it's a great example is you ever have the experience of getting a new car or a new pair of glasses or shoes, whatever it is, and you begin to see all those things on the road, whatever it is you're thinking of buying, right? So that's called the reticular activating system. And it's, it's part of the brain that hones into what's important to us. So once you know what to look for, it will become glaringly obvious in every conversation. You won't need to sort of, you know, flip through the book or you won't need to go ahead and listen to the audiobook again. You'll know because because it just comes into your sort of your purview and your antenna is up. And I will bet you that you will never fall suspect to these same type of behaviors again, because now you know what to pay attention for, what to listen for, what to look out for. So moving forward, being able to arm yourself with the ability to tell whether somebody is suffering with psychoses or a sociopath or a narcissist or borderline or histrionic or whatever it is, not only gives you a degree of security, but yeah, it doesn't take long for you to figure out exactly who you're talking to. Yes. And I feel like it's important to know as well that, you know, well, I guess I don't want it to come across like this, the minute that you detect someone might have a mental illness or mental health issue, it means let's not have a relationship with them. Right. Because it's like, yes, no, God forbid. Of course. No, no, no. Look, look there. I always, I, I always remind people unwell doesn't mean not a good person. Right. Right. There are plenty of people who are emotionally unwell. They're very good people. There are, are people who may be mentally more solvent and healthy, but they're just sort of rotten, mean people. So certainly the fact that somebody's look, if we didn't have a relationship with people who are unwell, no one would have any family members they talk to and they wouldn't get married or have kids. <laughs> you know, we're all, you know, it could be a little bit off at some times. The question is, how off is somebody? And does being off doesn't always mean the person will be violent or dangerous, but then again, it might be. Can you define the difference between ego dystonic and ego syntonic? Because I had never heard of that before and it was so helpful. <laughs> sure. Ego systonic is our there are two main classifications of sort of mental illness. There's what's called affective mood disorders. Those are anxiety and bipolar and things like that. Those are behaviors that bother us and we go to therapy for them or we read books on them or we listen to the podcast on them. I don't want to feel this way. And then you have personality disorders um, such as histrionic or borderline or narcissistic and so on. Those types of personality disorders, they make everyone around those people miserable. And they, so that person, they don't feel there's anything wrong with them. They think everyone else needs to go into therapy. So again, it's either going to be more of a mood disorder or what's called an affective disorder or, and a, or personality disorder. And the personality disorders are the ones who that are, can be more tricky to treat because again, the person doesn't feel that there's something wrong with them. They feel that other people simply don't understand them or they never got a fair shake. They don't take responsibility. And you'll know something that's interesting is that the one thing that they all share, the one common thread is that they're controlling. And the reason is because, as we alluded to before, is that we're wired for connection. But the surrogate to connection is control. Because if I don't feel worthy of love, then I'm going to want to legislate that connection through control, which is why a person who is controlling is, you know, as, as we lay out in the book, is a hallmark of emotional unwellness is because that means then that they don't love themselves because they don't feel like they could have a genuine relationship. They need to control. Now a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. As you can hear from this portion of the episode, I am working on some things, some relationships in my life. They're tough. Therapy has been amazing to help me through this time. 
you know, I was at a place where I felt very stuck. You know, when you feel stuck and like you can't figure out the solution, that's okay. We've all been there. A therapist can help you become a better problem solver, making it easier to work through whatever it is you're going through and accomplish your goals, no matter how big or small. Therapy has been life-changing for me. It is single-handedly one of the things, if not the thing that changed the trajectory of my life when I did seek help for the first time. And I highly encourage any of you to try it. Whether you are going through something tough or you just want to talk to a professional, visit betterhelp.com slash realpod for convenient and affordable online therapy. And you can get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash realpod for 10% off your first month. Betterhelp.com slash realpod. If you're thinking of giving therapy a try, look no further than BetterHelp. It is a phenomenal option. I've used it. I love it. It's a phenomenal option. Therapy has been life-changing for me, and you can get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash realpod for 10% off your first month. Get matched with a therapist in just under 48 hours by heading to betterhelp.com slash realpod. So I don't know if it's just me, hopefully people listening. Well, I would hope not, but I mean, I just sit here, Dr. Lieberman, just, I know exactly who you described in my life, you know? And it's so hard because you're right. They don't realize or think that they could be a part of the problem at all. You know, how do you even get through to someone like that? I mean, you know, that's in a in a sense of, you know, just human relationships, but you know, when you're even I guess is the word interrogating, right? Is that the word interrogating someone? Yeah. How can you even break through when someone is so adamant that it is their way or the highway? Right. Right. It's a great question. So look, we all have people in our lives who and whether they're formally diagnosed or not, they may have you know symptoms of it's called a personality disorder. Or they just may be difficult. And when the mistake we make often, Victoria, is that we sort of starve them, or we want to you know show them where they're wrong. And as we know, predictably, that conversation goes nowhere. What you want to do is establish an emotional connection, and that consists of two interwining components, empathy and validation. Empathy is not sympathy, by the way. Empathy is your pain is my pain. <laughs> so when you're talking to this person, you know, you want to be able to express that you understand where they're coming from and validate that experience. Validation is not about right and wrong. Validation is not about introducing them to reality. Validation simply means that you express to them that you understand based on their perspective why they're in pain. You can see why this is so difficult for them because people don't care what you know till they know that you care. So up until the point you've empathized and validated with them, they're going to stick to their guns. But as soon as you have that connection where they finally feel heard, they feel understood, they feel like you've got them, that's when they can let down their guard. And that's when you can introduce an alternate perspective. But they're not going to take off their glasses and see the world through yours while they're still wearing their glasses and stuck in their own pain. You help them to put down their glasses when you let them know that you're validating their experience, that it makes sense. And very often, we do the exact opposite. We invalidate. We tell a person, you're crazy, or we minimize. It's not such a big deal. You're blowing it out of proportion. We do the exact opposite to establishing connection, and that is we disconnect. We tell them that they're wrong or that they're bad or that they're being disruptive. Really, what they need is empathy and validation, and then from that place of security, they can lower their guard, and that's when you can have a more meaningful conversation. It won't always happen, but that's really the only window to do it. Okay, and it is so hard, so hard 
to approach that conversation. Like, let's say if I'm using myself as the example for the person who would, you know, be going to have this conversation to sit there and empathize for 15, 20 minutes, be like, I see where you're coming from. Like when I'm thinking you have been so horrible, you know, and it's like, and you have yeah. caused, and it's like, and I have to sit here and be the bigger person and baby you to then get you to maybe, you know, it's like, is that my ego? At what point is it like, I have to assess that I need to just have a boundary and maybe it's not my responsibility. This person's an adult and I have to assess, is this a relationship worth having for me? Ah, all beautiful questions. And by the way, Every relationship, healthy, unhealthy, require boundaries, and boundaries aren't meant to keep people out. Boundaries are meant to define our personal sense of space, responsibility, and obligation. We need boundaries. And maybe this person should not be in your life. All fair and legitimate questions. But the it is your ego insofar as that it's difficult because really what you're saying is I'm right. You're wrong. I want to smack you around and show you just what a pain you've been if only you listen to me. And right, but, but and that. Literally. Conversation goes goes predictably nowhere. What this this person is starving to feel significant, starving for recognition. So consider an act of kindness that you are literally ex- allowing this person to feel a connection which they don't often feel. Allowing this person to connect with you. And by the way, you know that they're not. You're not going to have a productive conversation simply by starting out and pointing out way where they're wrong and where you're right. I mean, you you know how that goes. So do you need boundaries? Of course. Do you want to have a relationship still with this person? Maybe yes, maybe no. But the only way that you can move forward with this person and allow for any meaningful relationship is with authenticity. And in order for them to be authentic, in order for them to be vulnerable and be able to connect, they're going to have to let down their guard. And that doesn't happen up until the point that they are validated for their experience. It just doesn't happen otherwise. So then would you say that that's the main slash best way to break through to someone and that just giving them the silent treatment and hoping that they eventually become so miserable that they have to look internal and then knock on your door one day and say, I want help or I want to change? Like, Is that a low percentage chance of happening? I'm going to put it at zero. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, it is very <laughs> wow. low. Exactly right. Yeah, you, 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 you're shutting them down, shutting them out. And anyone who deals with anyone with a personality disorder. Now, this person, uh, depending on where they are, if if they are, if they're like a borderline, for example, who by the very definition fear rejection, which is why they're very clingy, very close. But the minute they smell that you might push them away, they're going to push you away first because they don't want to feel that sting of rejection. There's no way they're going to come back to you. Their ego just simply won't allow it. I say no way. Can it happen? Of course. But you know, it's it predictably, you're going to make yourself miserable in the process as well as them. And you can short circuit that entire, you know, that entire session of, of, you know, stonewalling simply by allowing them to be able to connect with you, putting your own ego aside, which yes, it does require. And look, we're not always in the, we don't always have that sort of emotional bandwidth where we can give to somebody. And when you don't, don't, meaning don't put yourself in harm's way. If the conversation is going to drain the life out of you and you'll be in bed for three days, then don't have it then. But when you feel strong that you can give and it is giving, right? to that person and be able to listen to their stuff. And again, validation has nothing to do with right and wrong. You're not telling them that they're right. All you're doing is validating. You're letting them know that 
how they're feeling is okay, that you understand why they're in pain. That in of itself is very, very cathartic and very effective in terms of the communication and the relationship. Yeah. Wow. I need to, I need to digest this all and think, I think it would be a three days in bed. So maybe it needs more time before I can like really swallow my ego and, you know, be able to show up that way. It's so hard, Dr. Lieberman, isn't it? When you're trying to sit and decide what is the best decision for me here? What do I really want to do? You know, what is my ego saying? I just want to scream and yell and be mad. And then what are the random days where I wake up and I feel like Mother Teresa and I want to say, let's all just love each other. I don't care. And then what are the days yeah. where I'm like, it's not my responsibility. I mean, it's so hard to navigate relationships. It is, which is why, you know, it was King Solomon, the wisest of men who said, get yourself someone to talk to, a mentor who knows you, respects you, and can say, you know, to you, either Victoria, you're being a baby, go ahead, apologize or forgive whatever it is. Or they'll say, no, you know what? This is bordering on abusive. You need to take a step back, draw boundary lines and so on. When we're a piece of our own puzzle, we don't have that objectivity. Even the wisest of people need to speak it over with somebody who has the objectivity to be able to offer them. But also, as you said, sometimes you wake up in the morning and you're feeling like you've, you're a little bit invulnerable. You've got that, you know, you, you've got that energy where you can take a lot of stuff. That is the optimum time to, again, give, allow this person the ability to connect with you. And it's an act of kindness. But if you don't feel like you've got the space, then don't do it because then it wouldn't be you giving. It would be you being robbed and leaving you much less better off in the process. The nature of words was also a part of your peek into personality and mental health. And I just felt like throughout your book, it was so eye-opening to hear the different little nuances and phrasing that can share so much about someone. So are you able to just give maybe your favorite two or three examples of the difference in language that people might use that are are tells? Sure. Well, look, you know, in broad strokes. And yeah, one of the reasons, again, why the book has, has gotten so much traction is because simply for listening out for certain words and expressions and word usage, you can just glean so much information, often something that you know people didn't intend to reveal. But it, we spoke before about ego, and it's the ego that blocks perspective. Perspective is my ability to see, accept, and respond to my world. That's what it means to be sane. That's what it means to have perspective. So if the ego blocks that, then we can look for language, we can look for expressions, we look for behaviors that indicate a lack of perspective because that tells us by definition that the person has an egocentricity and they're not able to see reality clearly. So that would be something such as someone who blows everything out of proportion, right? Because if without perspective, there's no context, they don't know whether something's big or small and everything becomes big. An indication of poor emotional health is someone who has awful boundaries. Because if I don't have a clear sense of me, I don't have a good sense of we. This will manifest as a person that will push themselves into your boundaries in an unhealthy way, or quite frankly, may not let other people into their own space in a healthy way, right? They're able to give and to give and to give, but they're not able to receive. That's also an indication of really not optimal emotional health somebody who certainly is a perpetual victim, someone who doesn't take responsibility, someone who blames others, somebody who looks at things, what's called an, a contamination theme. When they tell you about their day or about experience, everything is contaminated. You know, the picnic was ruined because of 
it drizzled towards the last five minutes. And that obviously shows a lack of perspective and just all how people see the world, how they express themselves, how they relate to other people, how they look at other people. All things are so amazingly telling. As we said, just if you know what to listen for, it will be glaringly obvious. Okay. So now that we've neared the end and you might never have to see me again, dare I ask (laughs) for your assessment on me and what you think you know of me from just the time we've spent together. And I'm curious and I won't get my feelings hurt. <laughs> so if I can be honest, we, when you say you, you won't get your feelings hurt, do you mean that? I It will sting. You know what? <laughs> Doubling down, I maybe might have my feelings hurt, but I can take it and it won't disrupt my day and I crave growth. So amazing. It's almost like I'm saying I would I would the pain would be helpful. <laughs> right. So so that's what I was going to say is that not the pain part but the growth part. You are somebody you know we're wired for progress. We're wired to move forward. There's no such thing as a status quo, which is really what depression is. People describe depression as a taste of death or in a rut going nowhere. It's we're not moving our ourselves in the direction we want to go. You are growth oriented. You are authentic. You are honest. And you're seeking the truth, which is amazing. And the truth can sometimes be painful, but you're better off always living in a painful reality than a beautiful lie, because at least in the reality, you can grow. And I do think you as somebody who is growth oriented, and I think that's amazing. Thank you. Holy shit. My heart is pounding as if, and that probably says a lot about who I am. You know, when you ask someone like, what do you think of me? As much as you, I, I feel good about who I am and I have, I love my husband. I have my best friend. Like, you know, every human has this little desire that they want everyone to like them, you know? Yes. But I will tell you that that is the ego. We all want people to like us. The question is to what ends will you go? to get that like or love? Will you twist and contort who you are? Will you move away from what's right and responsible? Because the extent that you do that, you're going to sell yourself out and it's going to injure your self-esteem. Right, right. Just to make things spicy, anything negative that you can say about me? No, nothing. You are a lovely, great interview. (laughs) You're somebody who is certainly talented, honest. You're growth-oriented. The very fact you're asking those questions tells me that you're somebody who wants to work on themselves. We're all a work in progress, certainly myself included. And I think it's great that you're even opening yourself up to those questions. And that in and of itself is very telling of a person who is got solid emotional integrity. (laughs) Well, thank you, Dr. Lieberman. I'll have to take that and appreciate you not using your Jedi interrogative (laughs) wizardry magic on me. Well, thank you so much. This was honestly such a fun conversation and thank you for coming on my show and huge fan of your book. I literally think I'm going to have to read it twice because I'm the type of person who needs to reread a page like six times because the first three times I wasn't really processing it, you know, (laughs) but it's amazing. So I have the audiobook, I have the hard copy. Thanks a ton. And, you know, I am a fan. So wish you the best of luck. And once again, appreciate your time. I appreciate it. My pleasure. You're a great talent and lots of good luck in all of your endeavors.
Thank you so much for listening to this episode of RealPod. If this hit home or helped you in some way, send it to a friend, a teammate, roomie, share the love, share the realness. New episodes of RealPod come out every single Wednesday. So make sure you are subscribed to this podcast so you never miss an episode. To leave a rating or review of the show, head to iTunes and let me know what you think. I love hearing from you. Not to mention, you can stay connected with RealPod throughout the week, seeing behind the scenes info and sneak previews of upcoming guests by following the at RealPod account on Instagram. All information about today's show and guests will be linked in the description of this episode. Thanks again for listening. I love you guys so, so much. Let's go dominate the day. And as always, keep it real. note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.